When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. Longest unsolved murder cases in the New York area and in the country that captivated the imagination and the attention of journalists, true crime sleuths, podcasters, independent investigators, and everybody else was the Gilgo Beach case. And that's why it was so significant last year when the um, Suffolk County DA, Ray Tierney, after not a long time in office at all, was able to make an arrest in the case of these Gilgo Beach murders. Well, at the time, the accused serial killer, Rex Hewerman, was charged with three murders. There's up to, I mean, depends on how you count, but uh, most people believe that there are either 11 or 12 victims that had their remains at least partially discovered along Gilgo Beach in uh, Suffolk County in New York on Long Island. And Hewerman was only charged with three. I mean, three is pretty significant, but there was a lot of speculation that maybe he was involved in more murders and maybe even more murders in other places. Well, now, the Suffolk County DA, Ray Tierney, said yesterday that a major development in the Gilgo, Bill, B- Gilgo Beach serial killer case is going to be announced today as Rex Hewerman is expected to appear in a Suffolk courtroom. Here is uh, Ray Tierney yesterday. You're talking about uh, 13 years worth of investigation. Uh, so it is, I'm, I'm not going to speak for defense counsel, but suffice to say, it is a massive amount of material. And don't forget, it's continuing uh, because the investigation is continuing. So now what the speculation is, is that Hewerman is going to be charged with a fourth murder. Now, Hewerman, who's a 60-year-old guy, was an architect. 
He's pleaded not guilty in the existing indictment, charging him with first and second degree murder in the killings of three women whose remains were found in the Gilgo Beach area in December of 2010. And he's scheduled to appear in court today in Riverhead. I wonder if any of you are planning on being there. Let me know. And if you do end up going, uh, give us a call. Let us know what that experience is like. But a, a spokesperson for Tierney and Hewerman's defense attorney, they uh, did not respond to requests for comment about if this rumor is true, that there will be a fourth person charged. But uh, Tierney had said following Hewerman's most recent court appearance that the grand jury presentation would conclude shortly. I have to say, um, the more we learn about this case, the more we learn about how it was botched by local investigative authorities. Number one at the top of that list is the former police chief, Jimmy Burke. And Jimmy Burke became a felon himself. We've done whole hours on Jimmy Burke. I'm not going to repeat too much of what he said. This guy is not was not a police chief. He was technically a police chief, but he was a total disgrace to his uniform and to his badge. This guy, Jimmy Burke, was a one-man crime wave and is still. He recently got just arrested for a relatively minor infraction, but a, a sex crime. And remember, we spoke on this radio program with Guy Malone, who said that he he found out that his ex-wife actually worked as an escort in a prostitution ring that Jimmy Burke was running. Understand this. The guy that was in charge of, at least for a time, investigating this case, previously, while he was a cop, was moonlighting, at least if you believe Guy Malone, and I found him to be very credible was moonlighting as the head of an escort service. I mean, this is crazy. Is it any wonder that he didn't want to solve the case? So shame on Jimmy Burke. Shame on uh, the DA at the time, Tin Sinny. Because you see, when you have a DA that's determined to actually try to solve the crime, you see what happens. You see what happens. So, um, and the other the other aspect of this that I think is interesting is that it was a cheek swab obtained from Hewerman by court order uh, since he's been in custody that matched a mitochondrial DNA profile that authorities who were surveilling Hewerman developed from a pizza crust and used napkin that were discarded in Manhattan. I mean, I think the lesson there is, and this is why they would not catch me, you got to eat the pizza crust. You have to eat the pizza crust. You know what I do is I will eat my pizza slice, and if I'm having two slices, I'll eat the two, and then I keep the crust and I use it in, to dip in something. If I have any of my Aunt Camille's egg salad handy, oh, I got a fresh batch of that this week. Boy, did that come at the right time. I had some for lunch yesterday or breakfast, actually. Amazing. But if I have a pizza crust and some of that egg salad handy, I'll use it to make a little mini sandwich with the pizza crust. Otherwise, I'll dip it in rigot or even maybe just some wasabi, just some hummus, if there's hummus handy. That's what I like to do. That's the Murano method when it comes to pizza crust elimination. Otherwise, 
not going to leave this pizza crust for my DNA to be discovered and for me to be tied with the murder of four people. I mean, I'm also probably not going to murder four people, but who knows? All right. Hey, by the way, speaking of that uh, situation with uh, Guy Malone and his uh, his his ex-wife, there was an episode of a podcast. I don't have the podcast, but it was on John A. Light's YouTube channel. And I want to thank the listener, Anna. And if she keeps up with behavior like this, she may find herself in listener of the week territory. But Anna was listening to this podcast, I guess. It's on the John A. Light channel on the YouTube on December 17th. And they talked about our interview with Guy Malone, which I thought was kind of cool that people are at least using this information and citing it properly and attributing it to this show. This is a little bit of that information from this uh, podcast. So what's interesting is that the girlfriend that knew his ex-fiance, um, there was just a radio show. Do you know Frank Morano has a radio show? Yeah, he, yeah. So if you listen, I, I think I know who that guy So there's is. a guy named Guy Malone who went on that show recently. That was, that was his wife, and she was cheating on him with Jimmy Burke when he was a sergeant detective. And this guy, Guy Malone, tells a whole story, right? This is his story that he has some corroboration for, that she was prostituting and Jimmy Burke was like her pimp. So that's the story he tells. That, that's the girlfriend that his ex-fiance knew. So the um, I don't know who the host is. He's identified in the transcript as, uh, as someone named uh, Brian. But I do know who John A. Light is. Uh, John A. Light is uh, a bad guy. Uh, a bad guy, but um, uh, Jacqueline, who's uh, the guest there, she's a reporter who's been covering this case for a long time. I don't think I've met her, but I spoke to her on the phone a couple of times because she says she listens to this show to get a lot of source material and a lot of material for what um, you know what we're doing on this show that's relevant to a lot of these cases. Uh, but um, you know, she's she's actually a very good reporter. Uh, John A. Light is uh, a total. Loser. I mean, don't get me started on John A. Light. This is a man, you want to talk about a one-man crime wave, this is a man that should be in prison, uh, not trying to launch a media empire and appearing in Netflix documentaries and on YouTube. But why, why is he out of prison? Because he was willing to rat on his criminal cohorts. And, by the way, I interviewed jurors at two separate trials that he testified in as a rat. The jurors that I spoke to, not all the jurors, but several of them, they all said they found John A. Light to be the least credible witness that they had heard in each of those trials. So, I mean, you don't even have to be a good witness to get out of, uh, to get a get-out-of-jail-free card from the government. You just have to be willing to rat on all your friends. So that's where we are. That's where things are with the Rex Hewerman case. There should be some major developments on that today. All right. 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. Joan in Manhattan has been hanging on. Joan, what's on your mind? Oh, hi, Frank. Yes, I want to refer back to this story about Robert Kennedy Jr. Um, you took the opposite view from uh, Bo Snurdly this afternoon, was praising him to the skies, 
And saying that he took responsibility or acknowledged some bad things his father did. Now, I don't know what exactly Robert Kennedy said. Can you give me the the Reader's Digest version here? I mean, I don't want to read. I read the quotes already. I don't want to read the quotes again. But basically, he said. I didn't hear it. Yeah, I mean, uh, basically, he said that they were. Um, that they were doing it to prove that Martin Luther King was not a bad guy and they had no choice. Oh, to investigate King? No, to surveil him illegally. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Hoover did these horrible things. Since you, you, you talked about that, I guess, uh, sending uh, Martin Luther King uh, letters that he should commit suicide. Right, I, re- I read the letter on air, yes. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, So, so Kennedy said they needed to do it? Yeah. he, so he uh, defended it? Exactly. Really? Exactly. Exactly. Oh, so I wonder why. It's funny because uh, James Golden was so it's praising Robert Kennedy for acknowledging that it happened. I well, guess. I mean, he look, it's it's a matter of public record, Joan. I mean, it, it's no option to acknowledge or not acknowledge. It's a matter of public record. Thank you. 800-848-9222. Robert is in Annapolis listening on WCBM. Hello, Robert. Oh, uh, good evening. Uh, great program last week, and I r- remember you saying the Bucks will win. Uh, quickly, um, thank you. I sent you an email from uh, Smart News. This guy in Arizona, a denier and a Trumpist and a MAGA, and has his own program, Turning Point USA. At least we're not calling anyone to, names. Uh, trash MLK totally and kill diversity, equity, inclusion. And that was on uh, last Friday, Smart News, and I did email you. Yeah, no, I had seen that. Terrible. You know, again, I, I don't, um, you know, I, I, you're talking, the person you're talking about is uh, is Charlie Kirk. I, uh, I I don't agree at all with what uh, Charlie Kirk said about uh, about Martin Luther King, and uh, honestly, I really didn't want to um, read his comments to kind of bring more attention to the horrible things that he said about him. Yeah, you don't need to. I don't agree with the either. <laughs> also, all right. Thanks, Robert. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Rocco's in Saratoga. Hi, Rocco. Hello, how you doing? How you doing this evening? Uh, thank you for asking. I'm like a jazz musician improvising my way through the night, one note at a time. Hey, I like that. Hey, hey, you're a lyrical ballast there. What, what's nice, on your mind, right? Rocco? What's on your mind? Okay, okay, Gilgo Rex there. Gilgo Rex, he's not spilling any beans in jail, is he, huh? He doesn't want to come out with what went on, and he's not implicating anyone else. Hey, how about his wife? How about his wife? She's got a two-bit lawyer. She's pimping herself, doing this show, following the case. Hey, anyone really do a deep dive on her? She didn't know what was going on all this time? I say BS. Well, why? Why do you say that, Rocco? I mean, it looks like all these killings took place when when she was out of town. Nah. Okay. All right, so Baloney. you you don't think it's practical? Baloney. You know, it's no, funny. Thanks, no. Rocco. I, I met a woman at a at a dinner on uh, Saturday, friend of a friend, and uh, she was telling me she's just getting divorced. She's in the midst of getting divorced, and I don't know how long she was married, but she says she has an eight year old. So I'm assuming she was married, you know, around nine or ten years at least. I don't know, but around you know, a sizable amount of time. She told me that she had no idea that her husband was leading this whole double life while they were married. And um, apparently he was 
heavily into drugs. And I found that to be, uh, I was incredulous. I said, because I think if my wife was on drugs, and, you know, I've dated women that were on drugs, and it was pretty easy to tell they were on drugs. There's all sorts of warning signs and, uh, you know, boxes that are checked if someone's on drugs. This woman not only had no idea, I said, you had no idea your husband was, you know, heavily into drugs? And she said, no, I just thought he was a jerk. And that was not the word that she used. I just thought he'd become a jerk. Not only did he have this secret drug addiction, he was cheating on her almost the entire time they were married, was carrying on uh, a long-term affair, maybe with several women, and he was doing two or three other things that they found secret. Now, this woman that I that I met, I, again, I only met her once, but my impression of her was that she was a smart woman, that she was not someone that you could fool easily. She is a successful business person. She seemed pretty street smart. She seems like a someone that's got a good head on her shoulders. This woman was able to be fooled on many different aspects of her husband's life, including things that I think would be fairly obvious. I don't think it's impossible for someone who is as expert a serial killer as Rex Heuerman was to be able to keep this from his wife, especially, again, based on what we know from law enforcement, all these killings took place when she was out of town. So, hey, we're going to take your calls. Excuse me. We're going to go through letters that you've sent me shortly. Uh, if you want to get an email read on the air, you can send it to me at frank.morano at redappleaudionetworks.com. That's frank.morano at redappleaudionetworks.com. We have some snail mail here, which we will go through as well. Um, so we're we're overdue to go through some mail so we'll do that probably in about 10 minutes some people prefer written communication to the phone which i certainly understand i'm just ripping over open these envelopes now but before we turn the page on true crime who's the most famous true crime couple of all time it's really only one name right bonnie and clyde i guess technically that's two names Well, they had this love affair and obviously a very bloody crime spree, which was memorialized in the Warren Beatty, Faye Dunaway movie. And then there was another film about Bonnie and Clyde from the law enforcement perspective that came out a few years ago, which I thought was really good. Um, I'll I'll have to check the name, but it was um, it was really good. I think for some reason I have Woody Harrelson in my mind. Oh, it was The Highwaymen. That that was that's on Netflix. You could still watch it. Oh, it's a Woody Harrelson and Kevin Costner. They're both in it. They're both great, and it shows it more from a law enforcement perspective as opposed to the uh, the criminal perspective. So, Bonnie and Clyde's, um, you know, they were doing their thing. Ninety years after they were killed by lawmen in Louisiana, two of their relatives are pushing for Bonnie Parker to finally be reunited with Clyde Barrow in the vacant plot that has been reserved for her at his side. Bonnie was 23 years old when she died on May 23rd, 1934, and she was originally buried in Dallas's Fish Trap Cemetery. How's that for a catchy name? That's just a mile from Clyde's 
gravesite at Western Heights. But 11 years later, she was moved to Crown Hill Memorial Park to be buried next to her mother, Emma, who died in 1945. But it wasn't what Bonnie and Clyde wanted. According to the article in the New York Post, Bonnie and Clyde's wish when they were on the run was to be buried together because they knew that one day they would be captured and killed together. That is what uh, one of the surviving descendants told the Post. But Bonnie's mother decided she didn't want her daughter buried next to Clyde. It was her proclamation that Clyde had her in life He can't have her in death, and Mama won out. So the source confirmed that two relatives of these outlaws, Bonnie's niece, who turned 89 in October, and Buddy Barrow-Williams, a nephew of Clyde who's in his mid-70s, they're waging a battle, thus far unsuccessfully, to bring Bonnie together again with Clyde. So it's really interesting. Um, I'm curious if you think we should honor these wishes. Historian Brad Dyson, who's interviewed the the niece, is writing a book about the ambush of Bonnie and Clyde and the sheriff who led the posse, who I think is the Woody Harrelson character in that movie, The Highwaymen. But these efforts are still ongoing. They haven't given up, but they're skeptical that it's going to happen anytime soon. They want to honor Bonnie's wishes that she'd be buried next to Clyde. You know what? Again, I know these are criminals. But if her wish in death was to be buried in a certain manner, why shouldn't that be honored? Why should her mother get to veto that? Now, I'm not sure how official any of this is. I'm not sure if she uh, memorialized that in writing or anything along those lines, or if this is just hearsay. But tourists in Dallas continue to visit both grave sites. So, I mean, think about what an incredible tourist attraction it would be if they were buried together. I mean, not that that's why we should do things, but I'm sure the people of Dallas wouldn't mind. So, all right, 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. That movie, the Warren Beatty movie, did glamorize them. And their violence. And they kind of did a a pop culture makeover on them. The other film that I referenced, The Highwaymen, did not do that. It portrayed them as bloodthirsty criminals that were wanted coast to coast. I mean, these were people that were not nice people. They and their gang, they killed two patrolmen in Texas. And they then, a couple days later, they gunned down a constable. They abducted a police chief. These were... Horribly violent people. So maybe we shouldn't go out of our way to honor her posthumous wishes. But what role does the acts that you have during life play in what your posthumous wishes are? 800-848-9222. Silas, what is on your mind? Yeah, I wanted to tell you about uh, one, well, I made a parody song for you for your show. Oh, that's one of the BG songs. And uh, I think you know a, a friend of mine who I, I've done work for, Glenn Yost. I do you indeed. Yeah, there's a lot of people saying that if the next president's a Republican, that uh, Glenn Yost might find his way on the Supreme Court or the federal judiciary. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm a mover and stuff. I do, but um, the AI 
yes, it is going to be used for good things and evil things. When the gun was was invented, it was used for good and evil, and that's just the way that's just the way life progresses. You know, AI is going to be used to like all these phony things that they've trumped up against. Uh, you know, the ex-president, like you said, they made a thing of him hugging somebody or something. Right, Fauci. Everybody's going to use AI for their own purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, and there's going to be a lot of dangerous things that we're just going to have to deal with in life. But uh, so, do you yeah. want to um, you want to send us this song, Silas, or do you want to sing a couple of bars now? Uh, if you want, it, it's a parody from. Um, you should be dancing. So it says, it's who comes to midnight, the Frank Moreno show. He will get you higher, and he will keep you informed. What you doing in your bed? Yeah, you should be listening. Yeah. You know, I love it. Me. Hey, can you record it and send it to us? We'll play it all the time. Okay. We'll That'd be great. Great. That'd be great. Thanks, uh, Silas. I appreciate the effort. And uh, what my friend Lee said is right about you. Your voice is terrific. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Silas. All right. We're going to go through your mail. Well, the mail you've sent me in a moment. Uh, Frank.Morano at RedAppleAudioNetworks.com. Frank.Morano at RedAppleAudioNetworks.com. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. You can dance every dance with the guy who gives you the eye, let him hold you tight. You can smile. Every smile for the man who held your hand need the pale light. But don't forget who's taking you home and in whose arms you're gonna be. So darling, say the last dance for me. Mm. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. That the the drifters save the last dance for me. This is a beautiful song. Great song. And there's been a lot of different versions of the song. Uh, this is my favorite. And this song is uh, on the soundtrack of the film that I was telling you about that I saw over the weekend, Nyad. I strongly recommend this film. It's wonderful. Uh, again, if you're looking for an action movie, it's not for you. If you're looking for a science fiction thriller, it's not for you. If you're looking for a, a slapstick comedy, it's not for you. But if you're looking for a great drama, not too heavy, but just dramatic enough to be drama and thrilling, I really can't recommend Nyad highly enough with uh, Annette Benning and Jodie Foster, both just absolutely phenomenal. All right. 
A lot of you have uh, sent some written correspondence. We've got a lot here. Let us go through. This is from, it looks like maybe there's a note missing here. Maybe I missed something. This, it's just got my name on it, and it's a blue folder with a picture of an owl on the outside of it. I'm not sure why, but uh, thank you to whomever that was. But I have, I have plenty of owl pictures. All right. Um, this is from, looks like our, from our friend Evelyn. I don't know if it's Evelyn Bayonne, but probably. She's one of our most devoted listeners. Oh, this is very nice. So there's a note here that says, Frank, you may enjoy as much as Carmine. And it's a children's book. Are you ready for this? Seinfeld, The Day of Nothing. This is terrific. It is a Seinfeld children's book. I've never seen this before. I'm going to try and read this to um, to Carmine today. This is great. Um, I Thank you, Evelyn. This is very thoughtful and uh, very sweet. All right. We also have uh, something here from Jacqueline Parker. Oh, this includes a book as well, The Baby Promise. Jacqueline Parker writes, Dear Frank, just a quick note to wish you and your family the very best for the holiday season and to thank you for the wonderful job you do on the radio. We've spoken a few times on the air. Most recently about older men, excuse me, older women dating younger men. You may recall, I thought it was unnatural. At 2 a.m., I'm not my sharpest, so sorry I didn't give the topic the coherence it deserved. Anyway, I'm enclosing a book written by a friend of mine and illustrated by her son. I found it very impressive and touching, mainly because it is such a moving tribute to parenthood and its responsibility. I certainly subscribe to everything conveyed in it but never verbalized it quite so eloquently. I heard Carmine's bantering the other night. It brought me back to when my son was that age. Keep up the great work you do. From the quantity and quality of topics you address, I bet you have a staff of at least five. <laughs> Your facility with language and use of a keen vocabulary are qualities I admire, and they enrich your presentation immensely. Hope to talk to you soon. Cheers, Jacqueline Parker. Well, that is awfully nice. And this book? The baby promise is signed. Very nice. I will, uh, I will treasure both of these books. Thank, thank you both. All right, all right. We have this coming from the world of Twitter. I still call it Twitter. Yes, I do. Uh, this gentleman writes: Would you accept a talk show post position in Salt Lake City for two and a half million dollars? And a 10-year contract. You and your family would need to move by September 1st, 2024. It's a good question. I'll be honest. I could use $2.5 million. But I think... And look, a decision of that magnitude I'd need to talk about with my wife. But I think the answer is no. I, um, you know, my whole family is in the New York, New Jersey area. And really, I get such a buzz out of living here. I love this city, and I can't imagine living anywhere else. And to move somewhere else that I've never even been to, 
where I have no family, no friends. I'm not that eager to start life over just for money. I tell you what I'd rather do. I'd rather build my career and this show up to such an extent that I can make two and a half million dollars in New York. Now, I realize two and a half million dollars in New York doesn't go as far as two and a half million dollars in Utah, but I am absolutely staying here. Uh, and again, a decision of that magnitude that's that potentially life-changing, I'd have to talk about with Rachel, but I would probably, my vote would be to stay here. All right. Uh, Miss M writes, can you tell me why Bergram was on stage with Trump tonight, meaning after the Iowa caucuses? Well, I think it's very clear. I mean, Doug Bergram, the governor of of South Dakota, has indoor, of uh, North Dakota, has endorsed Trump. And I think Trump was enthusiastic about his support. And especially when you Doug Bergram, I said North Dakota, right? North Dakota. Doug Bergram has a lot of personal wealth, and I think Trump is hoping that Bergram will not only be very generous in contributing to several pro-Trump super PACs himself, but maybe help raise some money for Trump. That's my take. Uh, and what else? You know, and if there's, if you're about to hit a guy up for money, what better way to say, oh, look, you know, you're part of our team than actually having him on stage in Iowa? Ellen writes, hi, Frank. I enjoyed your discussion with Freddie Mertz yesterday. You two have a great chemistry, and I got a kick out of your discussions and banter. But I have a question. Why are you asking Jewish people the reasons for the prevalence of anti-Semitism? We don't know. We're just as perplexed as you. You'd probably be better off making that inquiry of a true anti-Semite. I'm only half kidding. Well, first of all, I didn't know Freddie was... Jewish until I asked him on air. Second, because we had had an email exchange about anti-Semitism, I thought it was relevant. And uh, I thought, you know, maybe the callers would add an interesting perspective. You know, I, I am tempted to do that, your suggestion of asking anti-Semites why they hate Jews. But my fear is it would just turn into a massive Jew bashing session, which I don't think would help anybody. All right. Uh, this is from Karen. Hello, Mr. Morano. I think I spelled your name correctly this time. I checked online. I just heard you. I just wanted you to know what a fantastic interview you had with Colonel McGregor on the 15th. I've sent the interview to several friends. He clearly expra- explained what is going on in the Middle East. It's such a complicated and dangerous situation. People have to know what we're getting into. I listened to it again today. A friend who's vacationing in Florida thanked me because he was discussing this very topic with friends down there. People are very concerned. I'm sure this broadcast presented the different situation, the difficult situation in which the U.S. is again involved. Thanks so much. The interview should be presented to the entire current administration, Karen from Upstate. Now, just to go, to, just to show you the difference in um, approaches depending on your perspective, to that interview. So that's what Karen wrote. Let me read you this email. Came right around the same time. Hi, Frank. Wishing you and uh, family a happy, healthy, and peaceful new year. I listened to your program. This is from Marsha. I listened to your program this morning, particularly to the segment with Colonel McGregor. I don't understand why you've been enamored of the colonel all these years. I suggest you ask yourself the question you posted last night about blaming Jews the next time you consider inviting him. Such lies you allowed to be told. 
Israelis were enjoying a beautiful life before October 7th. The economy was good. Outdoor cafes were full. Israel did not initiate this war. Israel has no plans to eradicate Arabs. Arabs are serving in the IDF. If Arabs, including the Houthis, hate Israel so much as the colonel thinks is natural, how do you explain the Abraham Accords and peace treaties with Jordan and Egypt? Further, it's questionable whether there are innocent civilians in Gaza. These innocent civilians have been holding the hostages as the released hostages now relate. Reports that the atrocities weren't so bad? I know firsthand witnesses, close relatives, who saw the bodies and body parts and others who survived the massacre. They say whatever you think happened, it was ten times worse. The United States is unconditionally supporting Israel? In his first speech after the war started, President Biden cited the laws of war, code words for warning for warning Israel to slow down. Why do the Geneva Conventions apply only to Israel? Actually, they don't apply at all, as Hamas is a terrorist organization, not a state. Israel is not succeeding? That remains to be seen. More progress would have occurred by now had Israel not allowed humanitarian aid and civilian enclaves. Had Israel imposed a siege as it originally wanted to and conditioned humanitarian aid on the release of the hostages, this war would have been closer to finished by now with fewer deaths of beautiful Israeli young people and accomplished civilians. Um, There's a, a, a bit more here. I won't read the whole thing. That Colonel McGregor agrees with Bernie Sanders on foreign policy perhaps says it all. I hope you don't fan the flames of Jew hatred further by having him on again. So just goes to show you two people can listen to the same interview and come to very different conclusions. Now, this is a very weird email. I got, I, I don't know if I should name this guy. Yeah, why not? Okay, this, this fella, I, I don't know who this guy is. So this fella writes me. He says, my name is Will Flacco, and I'm running for New York State Senate District number 53 in Oneida and Madison counties for 2024 against an 18-year incumbent. I am a former Democrat, switched to Republican because of wokeism and communism coming out of Albany. New York State is suffering in every area of its structure. I believe we need more Republicans and Christians in office to take this state back for the people before it's too late. Please feel free to check out my website, though incomplete, and contact me to arrange an interview with your station. Now, I write back to him the same thing I would, I don't know anything about this guy, but, you know, we're a national show. I mean, first of all, just on WABC alone, we cover 30-something states at night. So I'm not going to do an interview that's only relevant to one small part of the listening audience. Now, you add to that, we're on in St. Louis, we're on in Baltimore, we're on in Nevada, we're on in Tennessee, we're on um, in North Carolina, we're on in Florida, we're on everywhere. So I wrote to him, I said, thanks, Will, but because our show is national, it's difficult for me to focus on local races. I appreciate you reaching out, though. This is what he writes me back, this guy. Well, not exactly truthful, but I expect that from radio talk shows. Thanks for the response. I mean, you expect that? First of all, how is it not truthful? Second of all, if you're expecting me to lie to you, if I have so little credibility with you, why do you even want to come on this show? So I don't know anything about this guy, but I can tell you I am absolutely not supporting that guy. Um, 
George writes, Frank, please end the Brian Kilmeade interview sooner for the sake of the 15-second callers. Dear Frank, there are those listeners who, instead of turning you off at 3 or 4 a.m., continue to hang on with the view of participating in the 15 seconds of fame. If they knew that Brian Kilmeade was going to be interviewed until almost 5 a.m., thus encroaching on the 15 seconds time, they wouldn't bother to remain till the end of the show. Well, George... Brian, I mean, look, it was my error last week. I asked Brian a question. I thought it was going to be a relatively brief response, and Brian gave a three and a half, four minute response. So, had you know, I had I done a better job, I guess, telling Brian that we only had a limited amount of time, then maybe we would have had more time for 15 seconds of fame. But I'm trying here. I am trying. I'm making an effort. All right, this person writes. Uh, they sent this on uh, on Ask Frank Anything Friday. Question you won't answer, but it would be nice if you did, because why not? Did you want to marry anyone before you met Rachel? Question. No. Honestly, no. Uh, that is the God's honest truth. I uh, absolutely uh, never had serious thoughts of, uh, of marriage prior to that. And, you know, honestly, it's one of the reasons when you're in a relationship for a long time as I was with uh, someone who's a great person, but I just, it was not someone that I could see myself married to. You kind of realize what are we doing here? It's probably best to end this, but no, n- n- nobody before Rachel. All right. Barbara writes on the subject of grammar, dear Frank, happy new year. I'm still accepting happy new years throughout the month of January. I continue to enjoy your programs. The subjects you carefully choose are interesting and the program contents are informative. This morning's subject spoke to me correctly. Grammar is a favorite subject of mine and the and several of my friends. Having benefited from having an excellent 8th grade English teacher, thank you Mr. Taylor, when with uh, former 8th grade classmates we continued to sing his praises. We also recite poems we had to memorize which taught us to appreciate the poetry, uh, appreciate poetry at the tender age of 13. Um, so she got a big kick out of the interview that we did with Ellen Jovlin. Um, (laughs) this is from a retired judge. I don't know if he wants his name out there, but he writes of the $6 and 31 cent check. Forget about replacing it. Frame it. It will make a good story when you're asked why you framed it and will prove that someone actually paid you for something. If we can figure out what you actually do for a living. Smiley face. Okay, that's funny. That's funny. All right. Uh, Paul writes, Hi, Frank. Heard your appraisal of Chris Christie. I appreciate your opinion. Regardless of whether or not I agree with you, Christie also showed his true character when he banned everyone from the beach, yet he took his family to the beach. He didn't endear anyone with that move. I got to say that a man of his carriage probably would be better off vacationing in the mountains or Woods. Thanks for your show, Midnight Fan. Paul, another fellow writing on the subject of the of the check. Um, Bob in Maryland writes, When moving furniture, I found a check for $79 from a bank that used to service my mortgage. It was a refund for overpayment of some kind. It was expired by several years and issued before implementation of computers. I took the check to the bank, small local bank, and spoke with the manager. In short, she could not locate a record of the check and could not reissue it. If I wanted them to search microfilm, it would cost me the amount of the check. After much discussion, I had to give it up. Very frustrating. I know exactly how you feel. And uh, lastly, I will end with this. Denise writes, 
Hi, Frank. I do admire the prep work you do on your show. Increasingly, however, you race right on to bashing the left or anyone not supporting Trump. Tonight, and she wrote this five days ago, tonight it's Chris Christie. Why not call out Trump to task if you're talking about needing piles of money to exist? My God, Frank, it's sad to see your show so addicted to bashing only non-right-wingers. When you do this, I'm on to another station. It's so disingenuous to call out one side only, off to, and then she mentions a music station she was going to listen to. Let me tell you something. I don't think that's true at all. I mean, I think I call balls and strikes pretty pretty regularly. A lot of the, first of all, I really prefer to discuss non-political issues. But a lot of the very strong pro-Trump people, they feel that I pick on Trump too much. So where you stand depends on where you sit. Um, All right, Rita writes, Hi, Frank. I'm usually in ZZZ land from the time that you're on air, so I'm emailing my question. Why do you want to have your head frozen for defrosting when technology would allow you to resume your consciousness? Assuming it would be 100-plus years, the world would be such a different place from the one you left. And you wouldn't know one person in this strange new world. Please explain your reasoning for wanting to do this. I'm going to do a whole segment on this soon because I get this question a lot. But really, I'm curious. I'm curious. I'm curious about what the future will be like in a hundred years or a thousand years or something along those lines. And I'm curious to see how things have changed. I'm curious to meet any descendants I might have. Curious. And look, if it doesn't work out, I'm no worse off. My head's still frozen. All right. Uh, If we didn't get to your question today, we will on the next edition of... The Other Side of Midnight. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. I know uh, a lot of you might be might have been off yesterday uh, because of the holiday and are back to work today. Welcome back if you listen only on workdays. If you ever miss our show, 
You really should check out the podcast. I appreciate it. Those of you that can't listen to all four hours live, if you check out the podcast, you can just search The Other Side of Midnight on any podcast app and hit the subscribe button. And if you leave us a nice review, a nice five-star review with a nice comment, that really does help spread the visibility of the show. Additionally, if um, you, you don't have any podcast apps and you want to listen on your computer, you can go to redapplepodcastnetwork.com, redapplepodcastnetwork.com, and just search The Other Side of Midnight, and we pop right up. You know, Carmine was off from school because of Martin Luther King Jr. Day yesterday, because his preschool follows the the school calendar, right? So the, the public school calendar. So my mom was off from her job, so she was kind enough to offer to watch him for the day, and he spent the day there. And I normally start watching Carmine when I wake up in the afternoon, when he works, you know, after he's done with school, maybe about one thirty, two o'clock, thereabouts. And, you know, I'll watch him until about 5, and then uh, my wife is done with her workday. She'll watch him, and I'll start preparing for the show. So I knew that I was going to have the full day Carmine free. And I had it in my head that this extra three or four hours of being able to get work done was going to be so productive. Not only was I going to be able to get all sorts of great show stuff done, all sorts of creative stuff, but I was going to be able to get all sorts of chores done and have a wildly productive day. Honestly, I'm not sure why my day was just as productive or unproductive as it normally is. There was no rapid increase in uh, productivity. So there's that. Today's a big day for us in the Morano family because... We, you know, we've had this car that has not been able to recline because they were missing this piece. This piece has been missing forever, for two or three months. They had to order it special. And so today we are bringing this car back to the dealership to get this piece reinstalled and we will be able to recline again, which I'm excited about because there are a lot of days when I'm driving home from doing this radio show and I'll feel a little wiped, I'll feel a little drowsy. So I like to pull over and not risk falling asleep while driving. And I'll pull over wherever I am and and just sleep a bit. Well, when you can't recline in the driver's seat, it's very uncomfortable to, you know, sit there with your head propped up or have to get out of the car in the cold weather and go over to the passenger side and recline that one. So... Uh, I'm excited to have that back, but I'm not excited for our, our appointments early in the morning. Something along the lines of 9, 30, 10 o'clock, which usually I am soundly in dreamland at that point, but I'm going to have to get up and take the car in to get this part replaced, and we'll see how it goes. Wish us the uh, Wish us the best. If you're praying to the car gods, hopefully this is short. Hopefully it's done while I wait and they don't have to keep the car all day. We'll see how that goes. So, all right. Um, next hour. How do you feel about sleepovers? We'll get into it. Some fun UFO stuff, the Emmys, and more. Until next hour, keep asking questions. <laughs> 